This is a sermon from the Highlands Congregation of Park Church. We hope it helps you walk with the Lord and lead others to Christ. Learn more and find more resources at parkchurch.org. Our scripture reading today will be from Psalm 117. In the Bible in your pew, it'll be on page 511, Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is the steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, good morning. We preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as his servant. Hey, my name is Miguel Warren, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a gift and honor to be here with you all. Um, as you see, this psalm is real short, real short, sweet, to the point I was sitting here trying to do a little praying. I said, Jesus, and he said, this is the word of the Lord. I said, all right, here we go. And, yep, that reading didn't take long. Um, so, but um, seriously, it is a, what an honor and joy it is to to be here and stand before you to proclaim God's word. Um, and so, what I would love for us to do uh, today is, man, let's just pray for each other. Pray that God will open our hearts to hear and see the wonderful things of his word. It is too often times that when we come to a passage like this, that we can easily gloss over. Because the first verse kind of repeats itself and you're like, yes, the steadfast love it's towards us. It's faithful and endures forever. And you're like, absolutely. And so may we be one to marvel at his word, be in awe of what he has to say to us through these verses. So let's take a moment and go before the Lord in prayer. And then we'll hear what he has to say to us through this song. So just take a moment, quiet your hearts to know that God is with us. He's here. He's present. He desires to hear from you, we're not just throwing things up in the air, but yet our God hears all. Father, how holy and awesome is your name. How great you are, how faithful you are, how merciful you are. My God, I pray that in this moment right now, that you would move mightily, that you would bring life from dead places that you would flood this place with your spirit, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to the wonderful things of your word. I pray, Father, that your word would rebuke, that it would encourage, that it would ignite, that it would even save someone here today, Father. So whatever cares that we're feeling, whatever worries or burdensome that we have of the world, I pray right now that we lay it at your feet. Lord, we thank you that you're ever-present. Let them not see me merely as an entertainer. Let me but one stand before, before proclaiming, thus says the Lord. So as I hide behind the cross, I pray that you are magnified, that your, that your voice is glorified. In your son Jesus' name, we all together as a church said, amen. amen. Invitations come in many forms. 
We get invitations for graduations, weddings, birthday parties, you name it. And when we get an invitation, what's happening in that moment is that whoever gave it to you thinks worthy enough for you to come and be present at that occasion. And we come to a psalm that is exactly the same way. This is a kingdom, universal, global invitation that God personally is extending to all nations, to all people. And just like when you receive an actual invitation, you have a choice to either go and participate in the festivities and the party that is taking place or not. And it is in this psalm today where we see that we have a choice that God has extended to all human beings to, to come and participate in praising God for who He is and what He has done and even will do. My question to you today is, as we work through these two verses is, will you accept the invitation and be present? Here's where we come to this psalm. As you know, this, as, as we see, it's the shortest psalm, or it's really short, two verses. The shortest, the shortest uh, chapter in the whole Bible. Two verses. And what we see here that's happening in this psalm is that the psalmist is calling and letting the Gentiles know, because this is prophetic in itself, that we will see Zechariah chapter 2 talks about how God calls the nations, and we'll see in Daniel and Revelations, other places, where this invitation here is for all people to praise Him, and particularly to the Gentiles, to the Gentiles, those who are not Jews. And what we come to this psalm is that for those who are Gentiles, probably the majority of us in here means that we get to partake and experience uh, the things that God has offered to the people of Israel. And now we one big, we big family having a big party. Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 15 to help support his argument that we are justified by faith, but then also he says that the Gentiles can praise God because of the mercy that he has given us through Jesus Christ. And so in this Psalms, it's really simple. We're going to look at the kingdom invitation for praise, and then we'll see the reason for the praise. It's really simple. It's really sweet. But in these two verses, there's a lot that God has to say and invite us to, to this party. Let's spend our time looking at this kingdom invitation. Look at verse 1 with me, if you would. It says, praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all people. Here we have a God that is a God of all nations, of all people here. What is to be praised? Notice it is God, Yahweh, that is to be praised. Not you, not yourself, not your career, not your motive, not your marriage, but it is God that is the center of all and worthy to be praised. We see in this first verse, it says, who is doing the praising? All nations, all people, not just some people or select people. We're going to get unpacked that a little bit. But what we see here is that the word praise, hallelujah, 
which is to God. And then you see in verse 1, extol him. Extol has a range of meaning. The idea in this range of meaning is to boast, is to congratulate, is to celebrate. Really in its simplest form, it is to be, to talk about excessively with pride and satisfaction. So when you see the word extol, you are to praise God and talk about it excessively with pride. The things that you talk about the most, the things that you can't stop talking about, that too we ought to talk about God in the same way. And so hear me now, praise and the word extol here are imperatives, and it means it is command, but it's more than just to do, it's to do with all your power and your will. That means that all that you have, all that you, your being, it is to talk and praise and boast and brag about who God is. Because hear me, we are talking to people, we ain't got a problem talking about things. Oftentimes, God get left out here. But understand, we ought to talk about him excessively. There was a movie back in the 1990s, or maybe it was early 2000, I'm not sure, called Waterboy. Yeah, I'm assuming y'all seen it before. The star character, Bobby Boucher. One thing about Bobby Boucher is that whether he was on the football field, going on a date with with his girl, or wherever he was in the classroom, he had the one phrase that always will come up in every conversation. Well, my mama said, well, my mama said, and it will try to check any and everybody. Well, my mama said, and literally, hear me, he believed that my mama said. He talked obsessively with pride and was like, this, my mama said, so therefore it is right. And we too need to have some Bobby Boucher's in the church. We need to be excessively talking about, well, my daddy said. God said, hear me now, because the world has no problem talking about what it needs to talk about. But yet we want to be a fearful and and hard, let me stop there. I'm going to get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let us not be, let us not be suppressed by the world and, and, and not say what our father has said. Let us be one of bold, of courage by the power of the Holy Spirit to say what my father has said so that we can talk excessively with pride because of what he has done. And hear me, in this Psalms, what we have is that Yahweh, God is inviting all of us to pray. I mean, all of us to praise him. And here's the beautiful thing about this. What he's inviting us to and what he's calling us to, there is nothing that can compare to it. There is not amount of job, there's not amount of money, there's not amount of material that can satisfy what God is calling us to, because what he's calling us to is himself. Who is the source of life? And get this, we praise God because get this, the gospel did break through, mind you, it's talking about the Gentiles and what, how we're able to be grafted into this thing. Because the gospel broke through, through Jesus Christ and tore down the walls of petition. And so therefore, we have a reason to shout and praise because we too are Gentiles. And he said, I love you enough to be a part of, I want you to be a part of this family here. And not only in this Psalms does he invites us to praise, but get this, we ought to invite others to the party as well. Oh, y'all never been there before. You know how you text somebody, you be like, ah, is it all right if I bring my friend? Or you show up to a party or see you, show, you had a party, you go, who invited this person? 
We've done it before. We've been there. We see people that invite people without asking because they know, hey, this is about to be good, what we're about to experience. Hey, so won't you come on? No, he won't, they won't mind. And we too ought to do the same thing. We should reach out and we should invite people to come and praise God because of who he is and what he has done. Hear me now. We're going to shout. We're going to shout in verse 2. Don't get me wrong. I'm just setting this up for us for right now. But understand, in this kingdom invitation, there is a, a diversity in this kingdom. A diversity in this kingdom because you look at verse 1 and it says, Praise the Lord, all people, extol him, boast in him, talk excessively about him with pride, all people, all nations, all people. Understand what this is saying. Let me unpack this here. It is not, when it says all nations, it's not talking about political parties. Understand, in the Hebrew time, in the text, the word all people, all nations has this general meaning referring to the various distinctions of human beings. That's what it's getting at. That means that all ethnic group, all people that are in geographical areas, all language, all other culture patterns, meaning all, ought to come and praise who God is. Daniel 7, 14 prophesied about this that is to come. He says in Daniel 7, 14, and to him, he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, tongue, language should serve him. His dominion is everlasting. They should not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Revelation 7, that talks about what will be. 7, verse 9 and 10. It says, and after this, I looked and behold a great multitude. This is powerful here. That no one could number from every nation, ethnic group, from all tribes, peoples, language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to God, our, uh, belongs to our Lord, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. What we see is the ethnic diversity that God is calling all people in all nations to. And hear me now, now with, with the diversity comes with the diversity of gifts. And we got to understand that sometimes we cannot look down upon or front our nose upon people because they may worship culturally a little bit different than our preference. Oftentimes, if things don't go the way we want it to, or they don't praise how we do, or they don't do liturgy the way we do, we nitpick is act as if our way is gospel, and that's not true. We even see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where it talks about the vastness of the gifts, various gifts for various services, used for the common good, but all the gifts are empowered by the Lord and of the same Lord. So let's not sit here and act like because something is different than it is less than. That's not true. But we have in this kingdom, with this invitation that God has sent us, um, all can praise God because of the vastness of the gospel. The vastness of the gospel. You see, because in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, and in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it talks about how the kingdom, how the God's word, the gospel is supposed to be proclaimed to all nations. 
And as I said earlier, when it is and has already been claimed, he tears down the wall, the dividing wall, and therefore we are able to be brought near because of the blood of Jesus. So that's why the invitation says, come all nations, come all people. But hear me now, and this is probably not here in our church. But we, we preach so that we can equip you so that when you are out in the marketplace, you can be able to stand firm and speak boldly for who God is in his word as his ambassadors in a light in the world. But hear me now. It is sad and it breaks my heart that we think that God is only the God of America. That's not true. He's not just the God of America. He's not the God of, a, of, a, of one ethnic group. He's not just uh, the, the, the God of someone, uh, of a political party. Hear me now, because this is in our cultural waters. That's what's in these doors. When we go out to the world, that's what people think. That's how people act. Or they think that he's just the God of the rich. No, he's the God of the poor, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, those who are poor in spirit here. Understand, he's not a God of just a social, social class. He is the God of all things. He's the God of the galaxies, the universe, and every square inch that exists in this world. He is the God of that. But it's, and hear me now, get this. Even rather, even whether people acknowledge him as God or not, he is still God. So even if other people want to worship other gods that are not true gods, as Pastor Neil talked about a couple weeks, where we make idols with our hands, get this, God is still God. And so whether you choose to acknowledge him or not, he's still going to be God. Because guess what? One day, we all going to stand before the Lord and be judged for what we've done in Christ or for what we've given account for our sins. And understand, the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and make the acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is Lord. Make no mistake, God is God, whether people acknowledge him or not. Will you receive his invitation to praise him as God? And hear me now. This is, this is, this is a real thing. We forget where we were once wet. Oftentimes when we keep going in life and we're living for the Lord, and then we encounter people that are struggling— we think that people are beyond being reached, and so therefore we don't invite them to this invitation, to this party. And that could be the furthest thing from the truth. And we got to remind ourselves who we once were and what God has done. Because understand here how we know that we got a God of everyone. When the woman at the well, who Jesus went and crossed boundary lines, and talking and, and, and dipping all up in her business. Got five husbands and all of that. He goes, you know what? He still extends an invitation to this woman, to the living water that can satisfy all her thirst. When you got the Pharisees that want to come and stone someone that's caught in adultery, well, we see that God in his grace and his mercy, whatever he's riding on the ground, but when he lifts up, he says, those who without sin cast the first stone. What am I saying, people? God is a God of everyone, regardless of what you where you are at and we cannot forget how we once were lost and have been found that's what we song in song in amazing grace how sweet a sound we once were lost but now we are found and just to remind us here first corinthians chapter 6 speaks to this thing he says do you not know that the righteous, that, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not 
do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, the drunkard, the reviler, the swindler will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hear me now. These are talking about people who practice these things, people who do not want to give their life over to the Lord, who do not want to repent and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the better way. That's what this is saying. Those who practice as a lifestyle of these things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but understand something here. It ain't saying that you can't struggle. Oftentimes we dismiss people because of the struggle that they have. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes it does get irritating when you're walking with someone and you're like, come on, we should be beyond this. But God was patient with us. I love what the rest of this verse says in verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, and such were some of you. My Lord, are we too, for, are we too quick to forget such were some of us? Some were idolaters, greed, envious. Struggle with same-sex attraction. We act like we can't wrestle with things and God can't meet us in our mess. He said while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hear me now, I got to drive this home. He is the God of all people, of all people. Let us not be so proud and pious and have our nose in the air thinking that God cannot reach those who are broken and struggling right now. No, yet we ought to reach them and pray for them just the way that he was patient for us. But I love when it says, such were some of you, but you were washed, my Lord. You were sanctified, my God. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I'm so glad, so glad that I was washed and justified. Not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, but because he loves me so much. And he loves you too so much. Why do you think he's extended the invitation? So the question becomes, who is admitted into the king in God's kingdom? All nations, all people. Every last one of us have an opportunity to participate in this. What is the admission ticket? To praise and worship him for who he is, what he has done, what he is doing. And so, Here's what I want to do right now. We're going to take a moment right now in the service, yes, and we're going to praise God together out loud. Hear me now, this is going to be a little awkward, it's okay, but y'all know me, we got to talk, we got to talk. But seriously, we're going to take a moment and out loud together, offer praise, offer, shout out the attributes of who He is, what He has done, and we're going to do that together. I'll give us a three count, one, two, three, you know. If the Spirit is moving and, and y'all keep praising, I, then I'll kind of interject and praise over us, you know. We're not trying to have some Paul moments, people falling asleep and stuff. We, we want to have an end to this sermon. But what we're going to do is praise God right now, out loud, seriously, yes, together, in this moment. Those who are at home, I want you to do this too. Those who are watching, I want you to participate and just offer praise to God. What He's done, who He is, how He's met you, how you've experienced Him, all right? We good? We're doing this together out loud. It's going to stretch us. It's okay. It's okay. 
God is good. He's worthy to be praised, is he not? Amen. All right, so on the count of three, let's just offer praise to God, and then um, we'll come back here uh, to the text. So one, two, three. Yes, God. So, God, we thank you that it's just a small moment of praise that we ought to offer to you. And I pray that we will continue our days every day to excessively talk with pride about who you are, God, and what you have done. In your son Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Love it. So, the invitation to be praised that we all receive. Now, verse 2, now we're going to dip into verse 2 for the cause and the reason of our praise. The cause and the reason of our praise. And verse 2 says, for great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Notice before we unpack the word great and steadfast love, it says, for great is, meaning God is this. He did not have to become. He did not have to work. He did not have to fail to become faithful, to be steadfast in his love. This is who he is. And because it's who he is, that's why the end of this verse says that he is faithful, meaning he is true, and it endures to ever because he is bound to himself and he cannot lie and he cannot stray from who he is. So we know that this is who God is. But notice here the word great. The word great here is used in vast different meanings. It's one of strong, one of that is mighty. It talks about the quantity, the vastness of the power that is at work. It is the word prevail. The same word that is used in Genesis chapter 7 when it talks about the waters prevailed over the earth. The same word that is used in Exodus 17, verse 11, when it talks about when Moses holds up his arm, the Israelites prevailed over the enemies here. This is the word. It's powerful. It's more than just strong. It's the quantity, the vastness, but met with power that cannot be overcome. And so what we see now is that this word great is prevailed. And now we see the word steadfast love. The steadfast love has a range of mean, words meaning too. It means goodness. It means graciousness. It means kindness. It means mercifulness. But I love how um, the other, the, one of the version translations says it is grace, uh, merciful kindness, which really is packaged in a word that we hear often is grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. And hear me now. This isn't just this, the, the meaning of this word, the meaning of the steadfast love, the meaning of merciful kindness, which is grace and mercy, are permanent. Hear me. They're permanent because of the incarnation of Christ, because of who God is and what he has done. Jesus, fully God, fully man, the mediator between man and God. And so the same way 
That Moses held up his arms and prevailed over, the, the Israelite prevailed over the enemy is the same way that Jesus prevailed over sin and death and hell and Satan when he had his hands raised up, nailed to a cross, pierced in his sides for you and me. It's the power here. And so really what you can translate it is that God's merciful kindness prevails over us. That's how it can be translated here. So when you think about that, we praise God because it is able to prevail over all things. Over all things. First, um, Psalms 103, verse 11 and verse 12, it says, As high as the heavens above the earth, so great is the, here's the word, steadfast love towards those who fear him. I love what verse 12 says, as far as from the east to the west, so far does he removes our transgressions. It tells us in Romans chapter 9, verse 24, even those, it says, even us who were called, not from the Jews only, but also from Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people will be called my people. Those who are not beloved, I call beloved. He talks about in Peter, First Peter chapter 2 here, he draws us from darkness to and brings us to the marvelous light. Why? Because God's merciful kindness prevails over us. So my question to you all today is this. Who here needs God's merciful kindness? Who needs his grace and mercy? And see, what happens oftentimes is that we, the grace and mercy, the steadfastness of the Lord is readily and available for us to access. But life happens and we have hindrance in the way that keeps us from experiencing what the, the, the prevailing power, the, the grace and mercy that prevails over us. And many of us are able to tap into this. We can tap into experience this if we would just offer all that we have right where we're at, the good, the bad, the ugly, the thing, even the hidden things in our heart that only he can see, we have to offer that to him on a consistent basis to remind ourselves. And hear me now, when life happens, we have to remind ourselves of God's word. We don't, we don't cite it because it sounds good. Well, you can because God's Word does sound good. But what I'm saying is, it's not just some will it into existence. The Bible says there's power and life in the tongue. And if we quote God's Word, which God's Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and able to pierce every bone, joint, and marrow, it's able to bring life from dead places. It saved you from your sin, from eternal darkness to eternal life. Therefore, we have to recite, we have to memorize, we have to quote and remind ourselves of God's Word and who He is here. But hear me now, what gets us in the way is that oftentimes we allow shame to keep us from experiencing His grace and mercy. We, we, we minimize our sin, or we actually deny our sin altogether. We experience brokenness and betrayal from relationships. And so because of that, we don't tap into it. We have the devastating news time after time, and, we, and, and that 
hurts us and, and the shame that we experience in bondage encapsulate us. Understand, because God's merciful kindness prevails towards us, we have victory in who Jesus is. He's able to break the chains that keeps us hindered. He's able to destroy strongholds that want to encapsulate us. Sin can and is destroyed when we tap onto it. So what I would encourage us to do, as I said, was to recite God's Word over to us. Recite His Word in your life when in those moments, in the moments of hurt, in the moments of pain, in the moments of good times. What are you saying here? We ought to recite that, hey, God's merciful kindness prevails over my sin because Jesus took care of that. God's merciful kindness prevails over my shame because Jesus took care of that. God's merciful kindness prevails over my brokenness, over the hidden things in my heart that only he can see because Jesus took care of that. God's merciful kindness can prevail over the devastation of the news I constantly hear week in, week out, season by season because Jesus took care of that. Hear me now, family. It doesn't mean that the pain won't go away. It doesn't mean that you won't have snots and crying and being hurt and experiencing and being bruised while here on earth. No, but it gives you the endurance to press on so that when you encounter people and they ask you, how do you go? You can say, but God, but God, because he prevails over all things of the earth. How do you see God's steadfast love towards you? Think about it for a moment. And understand this, when you look at this text, it talks about the steadfast love, the grace and mercy. Grace and mercy is God's promise and truth sent from heaven. So when you praise God, when you talk obsessively about Him, when you worship Him, when you pray to Him, understand you are tapping into eternal power. You are tapping into heaven and bringing it here on earth so that we can get a glimpse of what will be in eternity. To get a glimpse of what it feels like to have no more pain, no more tears. Just a glimpse of it here. We say it all the time in the Lord's Prayer, that will be done on earth, as, on earth as it is in heaven. That's the power of God, and that's what he's inviting us to praise him because of he's prevailed, because he is good, he is faithful, he's true, he's merciful, he kinds, and it prevails over all things. And therefore, every nation is invited to participate in this. You look at verse 2b, where it talks about how now his faithfulness, the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. I love what this one theologian said. It said, the steadfast love is bound by the truth, the faithfulness, because God is bound by his covenant promise. To sum it up, what he says is God's plans and promises are as fresh and intact in now as the day they were initially made. They don't run dry. It never runs out. It endures forever. And that is good news. When we are faithless, He is faithful. He has con unconditional love towards us. And our love, if we're honest, sometimes is conditional. But God, it's not like that. His truth, His consistency, His faithfulness endures forever, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, so that again, why does God allow us to take the long path to endure sometimes? I do not know. If I'm honest, I wish He didn't, 
But again, it goes back to that when you live your life in one of talking of excessive praise and proud of who God is, when you have an opportunity and God opens the door, and he opens the door when you're in the gym, when you're at your job, when you're just out somewhere, when you're getting your car done, you'll be amazed what doors God opened and when people talk to you. And they ask you the question, how is it that you're living still? How do you keep enduring with what you have experienced? Two words, but God. But God. Why? Because he's faithful. Because he's true. His grace and mercy prevails over all things. And I need to say this here as we get ready to wrap up. Hear me now. We have to stop trying to make ourselves worthy of God's steadfast love. We got to stop making ourselves worthy of his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Get this. And just praise God for his character, for who he is and what he's done and how he's offered us. Because here's the beauty. The beauty of praising God is not tethered to our performance. Oh. The beauty of, of praising God is not tethered to our performance, and the value of our praise is not dependent upon us. His praise, the level thereof, is not dependent on who we are on us. And that should free us and give us good news because I don't know about you, but some days my performance is pretty horrible. Some days I don't become dependable because I'm faithless at times, because of the sin that, in, that, that we're still in, but yet. Because of his faithfulness, because it endures forever, he is worthy of praise. His love is unconditional. It does not get sidetracked like we get sidetracked. It doesn't sit here and decide to put preferential on, let me see who makes the invitation list to our party. When we put parties, we can't invite everybody. So we look and see who's worthy of the cut, but we see that God is saying everyone is worthy to be invited to this. The question is, will we accept the invitation? And we see at the end of verse 2, it comes back to praise the Lord. Verse 1 started with praise the Lord. It ends in verse 2 with praise the Lord. And what that lets us know is that just when we think that our praise is, is ending, it should continue to keep going. Because the magnitude and the perfectness of God continues to run. It never runs out, and it is fresh, and it's a new Hear me now. And all, we all been to those parties, the invitation we invited to, and then it starts to fizzle out. We be like, all right, it's time for me to go. I done been here enough. I done celebrate this. We go, got to go catch another movie. We got the time as kids is acting up, and I got another day to go, whatever, various reasons. And it starts to fizzle out. And then the party's over. And it's usually shortly forgotten after, because then it's on to the next. But our God, no. See, the invitation that he offers to us, get this, when we've said all that we've said, when we've prayed every prayer that we can, when we've prayed all that we can, get this, the truth is we're just getting started. Because he is new and he never runs out. And so get this, when you are tired, I'm not trying to manufacture nothing here, but you're able to press in and move on because of the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside you. Because God's word says, greater is he that is in you that is in the world. So that when you are invited to praise him and when high times and low times are going down and when you don't, guess what? You can keep going because the Holy Spirit gives you the endurance to keep doing so when you don't want to. 
And so, let us be people that are willing to accept the invitation to praise God for all that he is, because he's the God of all nations. May we praise him because the merciful, the merciful kindness prevails over us. And the truth of God, the faithfulness of God endures forever. Family of God, the question is, will you accept the invitation to praise God? Let us pray. So, Father, God, we need you. We thank you that you offer an invitation to all, that you don't look to see who makes the cut in a way that is pious or, or who's better than, but yet your love that we cannot even comprehend extends to all people, all nations, all tribes and language. And your goodness and your mercy prevails over all. And God, we thank you for that, that you are faithful and true. Knowing that if you don't do any more else, you are the most faithful and just God there is or ever will be. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us with at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.